Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. In this episode, we have Sue Ellen, or Sel, S-E-L, Watts, all the way from Australia, but she's actually in New York because she took a huge risk, and that is the premise of this episode, which is taking risks in entrepreneurship, the whys, the hows, the decision processes, all of it. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. This episode is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media, where we love to make sure that you're visible. If you have value to bring the world, you should be visible. Use video. We can do it all. Film, edit, distribute for you. That being said, I know everything that's going on out there. I hope everyone is staying safe and try and keep the crazy to a minimum. Be optimistic. We got this. Basically, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 30. So I, but before, up until I was 30, I had no idea really what I was doing. I was trying to find my thing. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I, I somehow stumbled on the concept of being uh, a business owner because back then entrepreneur was not the word that it is today. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's, it was actually a dirty, dirty word. <laughs> like it was dodgy people that stole <laughs> money from people. So you never use that word. Yeah. I was a uh, sole practitioner or a business owner, very, very boring. Mm -hmm. And I started a business because I hated an industry. So I were, had been in the human resources people industry for a very short amount of time and I really didn't like it. I yep. found it very um, underwhelming, yep. um, not dynamic at all, but I truly believed that there was a massive impact that people in HR space could make in a business if they could think commercially mm -hmm. and they could understand what a business was actually trying to achieve rather than being the counsellor or the policeman mm -hmm. for the staff. And so I found that I'd got into this industry and I was so underwhelmed and I hated going to networking events and I hated anyone in, in the industry. And so rather than leave it, I thought I'm going to change this industry or I'm going to disrupt this industry. And that was a time when disruption wasn't a buzzword either. Yes, exactly. But I was like, I'm going to change this industry and I'm going to specifically change it for small to medium businesses. Yep. And so I basically started in my spare bedroom in this tiny little, a little in Australia, um, we called it a, a worker's cottage, a tiny little house. Um, <laughs> my first son was three months old. I had no money. I had very little experience in the industry. I had dropped out of college or university three times, so I didn't have any qualifications. Um, I hadn't grown up in like family business mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was the start of the global financial crisis. I had nothing. I had literally nothing. So if someone, if I'd asked someone's advice, should I start this business? They, anyone would have said no way. Yep. But I had two things. I had enormous amount of naivety. So I was just like, I had no idea that I didn't have any of these things. And I didn't realise that um, what, what I lacked. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know. Which so, is a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. And an absolute blessing. And naivety to this day, it's, it's harder when you've got more on the line. Yes. Um, but I really try to embrace that. You had everything on the line, though. I did. But I, I sort of, I mean, you know... I have a lot more on the line now. Yeah, yes. Um, so, you know, I was sort of starting from nothing. And, and so I had this naivety and then I, but I had this vision. I was like, I'm going to build an international business. I'm going to change the way small businesses utilize HR and I'm going to inspire, develop people. And I'm going to do this in my spare bedroom with nothing. Yep. And that was, you know, when I look back, that was really all I needed. Mm -hmm. That's all I needed. And there was no social media back then. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. And so I created some things and I went out and sold my wares. And it was just simple. You know, it was really yeah. simple. I just did 
traditional business. And I stand by that today, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I still think that business is business. Like, it doesn't matter whether you are some high-flying tech entrepreneur who's raised all this money. You st it's still business. It's still the same as the mum and dad opening, having the corner milk bar or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just business. It's like if, you, if no one wants to buy your product, you're not going to be in business very long. Yeah. Yeah, you might raise money, but you're a fundraiser. You're not in business yet. I, I completely agree. Let me back up then. This is so perfect. <laughs> like, what is the risk in being naive and being guns blazing? I, I just said on a post I made recently, like, I'm unemployable. I, this is option A, and this is option B, and this is option C. Like, that's fucking it. So now, and I talked about how it's a blessing in disguise to be naive about it, but tell me the risks about being naive, about approaching a business and starting a business and industry that you know nothing about without being qualified. Yeah, so I have to say that naturally, as a person, I have very little aversion to risk. And so... Why? Well, the, I, I think now, when I look back, I didn't have anything when I was growing up, and mm. I was in an environment where um, my friends did. So I'd been put in an environment, a schooling environment, where I was the poorest kid. <laughs> and so what I saw was that everyone had all this stuff that I, that I didn't have, and so I knew that if I wanted to make anything of myself, um, I was going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. I also had a lack of security and safety as I was growing up. And so I also learned that, the, and, and you know, this, is, this can be seen as sad in some ways, but I have taken it as a positive. But I, I learned that I couldn't rely on anyone and that I needed to look after myself. And there are certainly things about me as a person now that that is not a good thing because I put a <laughs> moat around myself and I push people away and I do all of those things. But I've certainly used the positive side of it sure. because I've been like, I will be independent. Um, a man is not a financial plan and I will back myself. And I think taking risk, it, it doesn't matter how much market research you do. It doesn't matter how many safety yes. nets you have. At the end of the day, the main thing you've got to have is you've got to back yourself. You've just got to believe mm -hmm. in you and mm -hmm. that you can do it. And that not 100% of the time, because you won't. We all have our self-doubts yeah. all the time. But if you back yourself enough, then I think that the risk becomes controllable. Because when you look at things that are not controllable, so say, for example, market or even the people you might engage um, or you know how well your product is going to be received, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There's so much of that you can't control. Yep. And so it becomes scary. It's like, oh, I don't know whether I should do this because I don't know, um, that might not work. And there's all these things that you, you don't know. Whereas when you put it back into you and go, if like what you have done, if I do the work consistently mm -hmm. and I can always learn and grow and I listen to people and I also don't listen to people, and that's been an important element too, um, then I can control that. I can control how hard I work. I can control how much work I do on my self-esteem and mindset. Mm -hmm. I can control those things. And so th the risk is, re is reduced. Yeah. I, I mean, so, I mean, like, I think you just said it, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, which is believing you have a safety net or really good market research, or the most unbelievable staff of all time, and some of these external forces under control is actually, to me, 
a little bit more risky than just depending on myself because I know how I can deal with X, Y, and Z. I know if I completely lose it, then this is how I'll figure out my options or that I'll just figure it out, period. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one thing. But yeah. let's take it further. So you started to have success, and I'm going to try and fast forward a little bit. Um, but we met last year. Things have been thriving for a while. And we met last year here in New York. But why were you here in New York when you just had all these good things going on yeah. in Australia? Yeah, so I ended up building the business up. And, um, and that was a really interesting journey. You know, I just um, learned so much and I had some really, really tough times mm-hmm. where I nearly lost everything mm-hmm. and then times when I was just cruising and I thought <laughs> nothing could ever go wrong. You know, I really went through everything. I've had amazing staff that have helped me build the business. I've had staff that leave and have taken my clients. I've gone through, it, like, you know, everything. Um, relationship, massive relationship breakdowns, mm. um, lost p- important people in my life, all of those sorts of things. And I've had three kids at the same time. So it's been an incredible journey. And there was some, you know, some tough times towards, um, you know, at, at points where I was like, you know, questioning whether do I want to do this anymore. Yep. And I went and got into um, into partnership with some other entrepreneurs and have started other things since then, which is a new, ch- uh, you know, a, a new challenge for me. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I came to New York quite late in life, as in I think I was like 35 the first time I came to New York. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've found my place. Like this is – I feel like I'm on the same frequency. And, <laughs> and the weirdest thing was is that I felt calm here. Like I felt like all That's my – you know, nervous energy and anxiety and all of those things that so many entrepreneurs have. I got here and I was sort of like, oh, and people say, how can you be calm in New York yes, City? Yes, it's completely counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, and I just felt that I was on the same vibe. And I kept, I kept coming back and coming back. And I was like, I am just in love with this place. Like, I just love it. And um, anyway, a couple of years ago, I came over and brought my, my uh, children over and they're like, Mum, this is your place. You need to live here. <laughs> and unfortunately, I didn't have, being a business owner, it's, you know, you, there, there is so much freedom attached to that. But there's also um, a lot of things that that, that, that restricts as well. Mm-hmm. And so to come and move to New York from Australia, if I was working for KPMG, no problem. Put in for a transfer. They pay for my family to move over. They pay, pay for all the costs, put us in an apartment, pay my money, get me health insurance, <laughs> you know, no worries. I mean, it's still unsettling for the kids, get them into school, whatever, but it's pretty much done for you. Mm-hmm. When you are a business owner, it's it's nearly impossible. One, financially, it's nearly impossible because of the exchange rate for yeah. one, um, but also the whole process of trying to get here. And, um, and so I went, okay, well, how do I do this? And the only way I could work out how to do it was for me to come over first on my own mm-hmm. Uh, for 12 months and ended up being 18 um, on my own and commute back to Australia every six weeks to see the kids mm-hmm. and and then get them over. And that 18 months was... So the plan sounds good. <laughs> yes. Um, and, I, and, and I've thought about it a lot and I really don't think I could have done it any other way unless I'd had a you know, a huge amount of money put in mm-hmm. front of me. Um, I don't think I could. I couldn't have done it another, any other way, but, man, it was emotionally and mentally and physically taxing. Like it, 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 I, Well, I yeah. saw. And yeah. when I was like, 
following and saying, and, and you're just like going, I could just see you going to do a lot of holistic things and just, I feel like manage, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, manage really your being yeah. uh, to just acceptable levels of tolerance, like what you could let in, what you could let out and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, because it nearly broke me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had the feeling, but again, we hadn't seen each other talked, but it was very tangible. So then, but you did it. And then Just. here we are now. Yeah. And they've been here. Um, so what are we beginning of February? So they've been here six weeks, six weeks. Yeah. They've been here six weeks. Yeah. The kids have been now, here six weeks. Tell me about that and the stress level and you have a business and you have partnerships and all this stuff. Like yeah. there is an inherent risk. Like we're being super fucking real right now. There's risk in you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul or all these different totally. things. Uh, yep. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, because I'm sure right now, as a father of a newborn, and yeah. I have two-thirds of the kids you do, <laughs> yeah. but it's stressful. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So it is a complete reality that this dream will, I will, could lose everything. And I remember I told you when mm -hmm. we caught up that mm -hmm. I said to the kids, there's three things that could happen. Yep. One, I could come here and smash it and just achieve all my goals and we just live the most amazing life. <laughs> Two, it is an interesting experience. I learn a lot, and but I have to go home. Yep. And three, I lose everything. And all of those are very, you know, equally could happen. And I said to the family, these are the three things. So how do we feel about that? I'm, I'm all for it. Let's do it. And... They were like, you've got to do this, mum. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, I think the reason, like, so pump people look at that and say a, a valid reason that's equal, equal to all the others is you could lose everything. The reason that, that, that I can swallow that is because I've never relied on anyone else. Mm -hmm. So I believe that I can build myself up again. I can build myself up again. And so like you and like your audience, they're starting from scratch. Yep. Again, you know, starting... It's disorienting. It's yeah. visceral. It's, it's so fucking crazy. It's, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, you know, I, I really do think that life is long. Like, I really think we've got so much time. And I also think life's short. Like, I think it's too short to not have a crack. But then it's too long to be going, oh, my God, I'm not happy and I'm going to just live like this forever. But also, we have this time. So if, you know, we have this amazing experience and, but it doesn't work out, it's an amazing experience. And then I move on to have another amazing experience. People think that if, you, if your experience doesn't work out as planned, that then you have failed. No. And so people go, I don't want to fail. But I, I never look at that. I just think experience, experience, another season of my life, another season of my life. So I'm, I've like, there's so many things I've started and then gone, eh, I don't really, this isn't as cool as I thought it would be. And what? people have said to me, oh, so you failed when you opened that office interstate. And I'd be like, I didn't fail. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, this is so, so important for this audience because... Let's imagine I'm a transitioning service member and, and I'm not looking to be uh, an entrepreneur. I'm just looking to do whatever it is. I, I was a pilot and now I'm looking into different jobs, corporate jobs, finance, uh, dental. I mean, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? There is a stigma that I believe here, and I don't know if it's the same way everywhere or Australia, that like if, if you come into this industry or you come to this job and you leave because of the innate feeling gut feeling that like this isn't for me okay well all of a sudden 
your job jumper. Like, that's really risky because now people are going to look at your resume and be like, what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You know, what's going on? with? I don't want that person. They're just going to leave me too. Yeah. So talk to me about why you don't look at it like that and, yeah. and, and why you're able to conceptualize these events that you choose not to continue as learning. Yeah. So I think that, well, so there's two elements to that. One is how they may be perceived when by employers. Yep. And I think that I started in recruitment. And so 15, 20 years ago, we would look at that because that the, because the way that we worked was different. We would stay in our jobs 5, 10, 20 yes. years. Whereas now, and I say in, in my business, if we can ha- keep them for 18 months and we have them at high performance for the p- entire time, mm-hmm. then we've got to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. So I think now um, employers aren't looking at resumes l- with the timeframes like we used to when yep. 20 years ago. So yep. I think that isn't so much of an issue. Um, but in relation to trying things and then going, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, this, this still comes back to people's obsession with the word failure. Yes. And I just, I never think about it. I never think about it because it's like, I'm just on a journey of my life, right? And I've, I don't, I don't know how to do this next thing. It looks cool. It looks <laughs> like I want to do that. And then I go and do it and go, ah, oh, that's not cool. So I'll give you an example. Here's a good example. So with my consulting firm in Australia, I had a vision to scale it big, like VaynerMedia big. Mm-hmm. Thousand staff around the world. That's what I wanted to do, and I kept getting to a point. And I was just like, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't, I, and I was like, everyone's saying, oh, you can't scale a service business as well. You can because sure. look, there's, they're all around. <laughs> sure. KPMG, PwC, all of these companies. So you can. And then I was talking to my mentor, and he said, I said, why can't I scale this business? Um, because I know it's possible. Well, I want to stop you for a second. Why did you want to scale so badly? Like, what what was it? This is so important for entrepreneurs. Like, what? Like, because were you in a rush? Was there a, ma- a summit that you're like, if I could get to this number, this is going to make me really happy and I feel like I've made it? It, it was, so there wasn't a number. It was, I, there was two elements. One, there was the element of I believed that the more workplaces that I could get into and make great, the bigger impact that I could make in the world. So you've, got, so you've got that part. Yep. And then there's the, I want to show myself that I can do this. <laughs> yes. I, I want to show myself that I yep. can do this. And to me, at that, at that point in my life, and I think very differently now, as I'm sure most people do as they go through their career, that that, you know, that to me was, and back then, um, having a global scaled business was, you know, a number of reception desks around the world because yep. that's how life was. You, the only way you could really be a global brand was by location, yep. you know, on the ground. <laughs> and I said to my mentor, why can't I do this? Like, I know it's possible. And he said, so the job that you need to do to do what you're saying is people training processes and that's how you're going to scale your particular business. And I was like, I hate that. I would never apply for that job. And he said, exactly. And I was like, oh, my God. So it's not that I can't. I actually don't want to do it. That's why it's not happening because I don't want to do what needs to be done to achieve this. So then it's like, well, how much do I want this? Do I want to do what I'm really good at and what I really enjoy? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to get to some milestone really unhappy and pushing myself every day, in which case I wouldn't have got there anyway because it's not my natural inclination. And so that was a real turning point for me to go, 
oh my God, just do what you want, like, and try things that you want to try. And, um, you know, different, I, I really believe my life is in seasons. And I yes. always say to people, like, what I'm saying I'm into right now, don't hold me to that because, you know, in a year's time, I could be completely somewhere else. And, you know, that's the adventure that I, I want my life to be. I want it to be flavoursome. But I don't, I can do that because I don't attach changing my mind, trying something and not working, um, any of those things to fa failure. I really believe that to be true because I've done, I'm not proud of this, uh, but a lot of hiring and firing and, and not just with, and I mean, 1099s is a little bit different, but I, I mean, I'm pretty quick to be like, nope, not a good fit. Like amazing interview. And we started and day two, it's just like, yeah. um, godly terrible and i'm like no gone uh service providers for me assist uh you know ways to get uh, systems and processes in place that i was like i just don't even know if we match on just a human level see you later but i don't attach that and i would attach that to failure two years ago yeah. three years ago but i'm so past that now and it enables me to just be it's almost like i've checked that box yeah now i, I now i already know like the, the warning signals and, and the tremors are going to be there in advance next time I kind of lose my way. Yeah. And then I'll be able to make a better educated decision. So I completely agree with that. Now, what I want to ask you, though, is you fell in love with this idea. And we always say in the military, don't fall in love with your plan because it's, it could go to shit, right? Uh, we also are very calculated, very structured, very rigid, very planned oriented. You're saying... I wanted to do this. I wanted to go to the States. I felt the energy and I felt it as soon as I got here today too. And then your kids had your back. What about the people that would say that's just straight up irresponsible because oh. <laughs> like I could go to San Diego tomorrow, imagining I'd never been and be like, honey, I love it here. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go. Like, yeah. tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, <laughs> enormous amounts of judgment because remembering that I was living here and my kids were living in Australia. Yes. So I was more here than there. Yes. And so, I mean, people uh, were, you know, I mean, if you want to, you know, have a dig at someone, I was like the perfect person. I mean, you could really go to town on what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I think that with that and I, you know, I have insecurities about a whole lot of things in my life. But one of the things that I'm, I don't have an insecurity about is who I am as a mum. Mm -hmm. And I, I have always said that I I want my kids to chase their dreams regardless of how risky they are. I want them to do what makes them happy. And I was, and I always felt like I'm no one to tell them what to do. I'm only someone to show them. Mm. So if I, so if I looked, I looked at it and thought, if I, if I could only give my children one bit of advice, if I was only allowed one bit, one thing to say, I would say, regardless of how unlikely it is for your dream to come true, Go for it anyway mm -hmm. and just see what see what happens. Don't hold back and go, I always wanted to be this, but, you know, I went and became a doctor instead. Yep. Like, just, just do it because you'll be okay. You'll be okay. And so I thought, well, if that's my only, that's my main bit of advice, who am I to give that advice if I'm not doing that? Mm -hmm. who, who, I cannot possibly do that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just, I'm giving them a front row seat in dream chasing. Like, I have a dream. I have no backing like everything that I've ever done. I've got nothing that really makes sense or supports me, but I'm just going to go for it and I'm going to chase the dream and see what happens. And you have got a front row seat. And I'm so 
proud of that. And so I knew and I would talk to them all the time about what I was doing. And if and if any, look, the other thing is, is that they were at a time in their life and our family was in a situation where everyone was cool. Like everything, we weren't, everyone, all the kids were in a good space. You know, I, I was very, I had an opportunity. And I know some families don't necessarily have that because, you know, there might be some stuff going on with their kids or whatever. And I, I had that privilege. And so I put it to them. They were like, Mum, you got to do this. And we made it like a family project. Right. Yep. And so when people were, and people said some, would say some really gut-wrenching things like, do you miss your kids? Mm. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. of course not. Like, why would I miss my kids? Yeah. It's like, you know, or is it hard? You yeah, know, just yeah. shit like that where you're just like, can you ask me something interesting? You know, <laughs> yeah. like really, like what do you want me to say? Yeah. And so there was a lot of that. And, and most of the time I was pretty good with that. Towards the end when I was getting really worn out, mm-hmm. that was starting to take its toll. And when I was go- when I was getting, there were times towards the end where I was thinking I might not pull this off. And mm-hmm. then, so then what would come into my mind is I've sacrificed so much yes. and I'm not going to pull it off like this. How? And I remember saying to a performance coach who works with, um, elite athlete. So I went and saw him and I said to him, I don't know. And I was at a point where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And I said to him, I actually don't know how I'm going to live if I don't pull this off. Mm. And I said, what am I, if I don't do it, what happens after mm-hmm. that? How do I go on? Mm-hmm. And so it was like a grieving. It was like an intense. And he just said to me, and I was really in I couldn't see. I love it. I I, I could. I I just could. All I could see was this dark hole that my life was going to go into because I wouldn't have been able to pull this off, and um, and he just said to me, "Well, you just need to find another way. And if it doesn't work, you just need to find another way. And you just need to find another way." And I was that's what I pay you for. Sorry. And I was like, "What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just need to find another way." He's right. And. And so what I did then was I turned that find another way into the the journey as mm. opposed to this massive obstacle that yeah. I just couldn't break through. Yep. Um, and so, and then, you know, and then also like there'd be moments where I'd call the kids and they'd be like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my friends. And, you know, you just feel like your heart's oh, being Lord. torn out. But I, I knew more, more than anything in the world that this experience would change their lives would expand them so much and already in six weeks they are just they love it they what mm. what they are learning mm-hmm. and what they're exposed to is incredible so you know what it doesn't matter if I have to go home next week like I've I have won with this exactly you know? like that's that's and I don't need to ask it like that is the upside I have a feeling that uh, while you say you could crush it and things could be good and you'd be cruising like that's that's a nice thought, uh, but the actual upside is, did we all go through this together? And I mean, as a family, that's incredibly unique. And I would say, the everything you were saying, all I kept thinking about was like, they're learning ownership at like an unbelievably young age. Like they have skin in the game. Yep. They pushed you forward as well. You discussed it with them like adults essentially, and they're like, okay. So if it doesn't work out, like obviously yes, like the majority falls on you, but they signed up for this as well, and that's a tough lesson to learn really young. Now, I want to finish with this, which is you took this risk and you're doing everything, and and you know, you are okay with risk. You you are not necessarily risk averse. 
And all we've been talking about is how do you prepare for everything if it doesn't work out? And, and, and you know, we've kind of covered that, but what do you need to be prepared to do on the front side as you've determined I'm ready to take a risk? Like, do you need to be, make some downsizing decisions? Like, what are, what are some of the key things that you need to- Some more practical exactly. things. Well, I think, I think the very first thing, and this is something that I am, have, am terrible at and have, have been working on, is, and this is what this same coach said to me, and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. You need to look after the people around you. Mm-hmm. So how he explained it to me was that I was basically saying to people, um, and I'm not, ta- not so much the kids, but you know, other key stakeholders in all of this, um, okay, get, get in my boat and we're going to go off. Don't worry about the life jacket. It's all good. You don't need to worry about where we're going. It's going to be amazing. And they're all sitting there going, <laughs> um, is this safe? And where are we going? And what's ahead of us? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Yes, it's totally fine. Yes. Trust me. I'm, I'm, it's fine. Because I'm like, it's going to be fine. But for other people who do have an aversion to risk and do want stability and security and, and, and have a mindset of, um, that you know, this is the way that we that we live. That is really putting them in a very difficult position, and yep. I did not respect that. Yeah, I was very much like, just come along, like it, I'm all over it. Don't mm. worry about it. And I felt that. I, I I truly felt that, and I truly felt that they were safe, and that you know, if everything went to shit, I would somehow fix it. So it's like, don't worry, we'll, mm. I'll fix it. Mm. And I truly believe that. But that's not okay no. for someone who's not it. like me. Yep. So I wasn't, I didn't respect that. So I think if you're going to go and do that, and especially your audience who have had a career where there is that security around and structure around, this is how we work, and this is what you um, will get for your work, all of those things, the family has to be okay with this. Because sure. if you're fighting against your family, it's going to be really hard to do. Yep. So I think that's one side. Like yourself, you know, there are certain things like you moved back in with your in-laws <laughs> or moved in with your in- in-laws. And so you have to look at, like I had to, anything you want to do, you have to sacrifice. Yes. And sacrifice could be where you live. For me, it was being away from my children. Yep. For someone else, it might be the, you know, the car they have, like whatever it may be. But yep. With any amazing reward, there's risk. And with risk, there's sacrifice. There has to be sacrifice. And I think this is something we need to be talking to our younger generation or anyone really more and more and more because people seem to think that they want everything now and they want everything, but they don't want to sacrifice. And so... Not the result, not the process. Exactly. Mm. And the the sacrifice is actually where the reward comes from and it's where the learning comes from and the growth comes from. Like the moments that I was here on my own, like my heart torn apart being away from the kids, but also... So every time I'd left them... I was like, my heart's being ripped to pieces, but I'm also excited to get back to where I want to be. It was this juxtaposition. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm mental. Like, I am totally mental. (laughs) I felt like everything was being torn apart. And what was I going to say about that? I've lost my train of thought. But I, so so with, with that and being able to be able to look and go, those dark, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The really dark moments when I was here on my own and New York, as busy and vibrant as it is, it's a very, very lonely city. Yes. And so there were really dark moments 
where I was just so lonely and torn and what am I doing? But they were the moments. They were the moments where I grew the most and I learned the most. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a point where I would, you know, you try to get away with bad feelings. So I would get on social media or I'd go out for a drink or I'd try to do anything to distract myself from feeling so dark. And then I realized that, no, this is how I'm meant to be feeling. Yes. So embrace it. And so that's when I was like, no more putting that aside. I'm going to really get into this feeling. And I used to walk the streets of Manhattan with really dark, depressing music and cry my eyes out walking the streets <laughs> oh, no. and on the subway, just like really in it because I was like, this is what I signed up for. Wow. And this is the, the sacrifice and the experience. This is actually what it's about. It's not about getting the kids here, although that was, you know, amazing. It's not about all this stuff. It's it's the stuff that's going along because that is what makes me who I, who I want to be for the next thing. So I learned a lot about yeah. not hiding from the pain. One of my clients uh, released a book recently called Deliberate Discomfort. And it essentially, it's just becoming comfortable being uncomfortable and, and how that's where growth occurs. And I know there's a lot of ways we all kind of spin that, but that's exactly what you're talking about. Like no one wants to actually feel like 100% feel those moments where you're saying you're listening to the dark music, you're in the subway, you're very lonely in a huge, like the most well-known city on earth. Uh, so, I mean, I, I applaud you for that. And at the same that. time, people would see my pictures and go, she's just living this incredible, amazing life. You <laughs> yeah. know, she's free. She's going out to beautiful, you know, bars and nightclubs like that. It's just bullshit. I wasn't no. doing that. I was crying on the subway pretty much every night when I'd be going on my way home. But once I learned to embrace that, then I really started. And, and that's not just, that's like with anything with life now. So I'm, I was really afraid of the pain. And I really tried to not feel it. Yeah. And, um, and when I sort of went, no, but this is what it is. I'm meant to feel this way. That's crazy. And so for people who are scared to make this change and are scared of the risk, you're meant to be scared. Yes. It's scary and it's risky. And yes, like bad shit could happen. Probably won't. It probably won't. It's more likely not to. Yeah. But it's totally fine Mm -hmm. to feel like you're making the wrong decision and that you're being irresponsible and that everything could go wrong. It's normal. So go, yep, I feel that way, but step aside because I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, Where, and we'll we'll wrap up, where can people find you, uh, you know, on social, reach out if they wanted to, uh, where are you on social? I mean, I know these answers, but for the audience. Yeah, probably the best place is to get me on Insta Mm -hmm. at so underscore Watts. There's a number of other places, but Mm -hmm. if you go through there, I'm putting lots of content on there, not as much as I should be. (laughs) I say that in front of you because you are just smashing it. I just love Instagram. I'm falling out of love with Instagram right now. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm loving TikTok right now. So, Uh, if you're not there, I'm not. And you got you got three perfect, uh, you know, uh, people to help you. I know so. the kids are the kids are on it. Are they? Yeah. yeah. And and so one day I, I signed up and I and I put on the family WhatsApp channel. The mum is on TikTok. The mum. The mum. They call me the mum. And um, <laughs> the mum. And uh, and one wrote back went, "Oh my god, you're so embarrassing." Yeah. And the other one. Um, that actually makes for famous parents. Yeah, on the platform. The, uh, they they flip that. <laughs> my kids don't want me to be on TikTok. TikTok so oh, two million on views. <laughs> well, my youngest, who's seven, who says he wants to be a YouTuber, said to me. Um, 
that um, I need, he said to me yesterday, mum, to be you know, big on YouTube, you need to have some merch and you need to have a whole lot of balls in your house that you can jump into because I think the YouTubers he watches all have like, fill, you know, fill the ha- their lounge rooms with those balls and jump yeah. in them. I was like, that's what I need to do. It's like, I've got it all that's wrong. It. That's, My yeah, content that's is all wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so Insta is a good place to start. Great. great. Uh, well, thank you very much for all your time. I, I want to part with one message. Um, which is, is simply this uh, for, for the audience. Everything she's talking about and, and coming out of the military and, and having, I always like to call it act two of your life, I think what she said is, is exactly right. Like if it feels wrong and you're able to kind of go with it anyway and, and rationally accept the fact that there could be massive consequences in either direct or massive consequences or massive upsides, then that is literally part of growth like if you don't experience that and you experience it unintentionally it's literally like getting a fucking flat tire yeah Yeah, (laughs) you know what i mean like it's the most inconvenient thing of all time but if you're going and regularly rotating your tires and all this other stuff and you happen to get one you're just oh cool it's fine because i mean i know i'm taking care of my car yeah uh but anyway um i understand the feelings uh, associated with the transition in entrepreneurship and and i think you nailed it so thank you and also i want them to think about that life is too short and life is too long and just back yourself and have a crack because it's why we're here. (laughs) It's why we're here. All right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, man.